I'm no expert, but I think the trail goes this way. Hi, Wanderer here for Sounds of the Trail, and I'm at mile 806. I'm sitting on the banks of the Maury River at Glen Maury Park Campground in Buena Vista, Virginia. That's the way the locals pronounce the town's name. I've been on the trail for eight weeks trying to deal with this overall fatigue that I'm feeling in my legs. And it's a beautiful day, blue skies with wispy stratus clouds in the sky. I'm looking above and I see like four black vultures just soaring in big circles just above me. And I'm kind of just wondering if they're eyeing me, just waiting for me to die. <laughs> I better not fall asleep because they might swoop down and start pecking at my eyeballs. Welcome back to Sounds of the Trail. We are in Season 2, and this is Episode 6, and I'm your host, Gizmo. In today's episode, we're talking about an essential piece of thru-hiking equipment. Your body. Your meat suit. The squishy machine that is actually carrying you down the trail. Quick business before we get started today. No sponsors for today's episode, but a reminder that if you do enjoy Sounds of the Trail, don't forget to recommend us to a friend. So thanks for that. Anyhow... One of the nice things about thru-hiking is how much it puts you in touch with yourself. Not in like the woo-woo sense or the sense that you finally know who you really are or what you want to do with your life. I'm talking about your guts and your joints and your muscles. Basically, any part of your body that is capable of generating aches and pains. You are aware of yourself. Shoot. I could think about nothing but my feet for an entire day. When's the last time you devoted an entire day of consideration to your feet? Think about all the things they do for you. My own feet happen to be pretty wimpy, my weak link between my body and the earth, but they have carried me as far as I have ever asked them to some pretty amazing places. Our first clip today is with Laura, or Hey Girl as she is now known on the trail, with a little of her take on this. This clip is from a ways back on trail now, but I'm squeezing it in anyways. Here's Hey Girl. Hey, this is Hey Girl, and I am on the Appalachian Trail. Just come down from Clingman's Dome, the highest point on the Appalachian Trail at 6,643 feet. I woke up this morning at sunrise, or just before sunrise, and we made it up to Clingman's before sunrise to watch the sun come up over the Smokies. And it was amazing. It's one of those days, just like most days on the AT, where as a thru-hiker, every day is a new experience. Every vista, every landscape is a little bit different, and your range of emotions is so different. We all woke up this morning in a shelter and got out by 5 a.m. We started walking, and by the time we got to the top, the sky was turning this really, really beautiful shade of orange, and then some reds came up, and we were at the top looking out at spruce trees and fir trees, birch trees, and the whole landscape of the Smokies. You could see ridgelines forever. Yeah, it's now been two weeks since I've been out on the trail, and I have to say, it's uh, I'm at this point where it's starting to feel like this is life. This is my real life, and... It's amazing. I'm so happy. I'm loving it. You know, it's a simple life. We Simple, but it's not one where you're slacking off every day. Everybody out here works super hard, whether they're doing five miles, 
10, 15, or 20 a day. And we all vary it up from day to day, but everybody is working their butts off. So one other thing I wanted to mention is, you know, I'm yelling like had this moment earlier when I was walking down from Clayman's Dome and I was in this thicket of evergreens and I was thinking this is one of my favorite days yet and it was only 8 a.m. and I already had seven more miles to go but I was in such a good mood just feeling like how lucky am I to be out here seeing all of this every day walking choosing to get myself from here to there and getting to see wildlife, getting to meet so many people from all around the country and even the world who want to see this beautiful trail. And I was thinking about the other day when I was having trouble with one of my feet. It was killing me around my Achilles. And for the last couple miles of the day, all I could think about was my Achilles and how it was hurting. And the next day I decided to switch shoes, so I switched to Crocs. So I've been walking the Smoky Mountains in my Crocs and they have been amazing. I feel like I'm walking on pillows and these pink puppies are just carrying me through and helping me have a smile on my face. I'm not thinking about the pain anymore. And it's been interesting because there's this saying on the trail, no pain, no rain, no mane. And Granted, I'm going to have a lot more pain and a lot more rain before I get to Maine. But it's been good to to recognize that pain can even happen early in the trip. And you got to listen to your body. A lot of hikers have already said they've had to get off for a couple days. And no shame in that or take lower mileage days. But it's all about the long, slow race out here, you know. And listening to your body being good to it you got to listen to your body because it's the one that's going to carry you through not anybody else's so I don't know all in all I was just feeling this hiker bliss this hiker high this morning and I wanted to share it with sounds of the trail and just let you know that if you're thinking about through hiking the Appalachian Trail really think about it and if you're thinking about reasons you can't then change your mind I like what she said about the long slow race through hiking is a lot more long and more slow than it is race it's no marathon or even ultra marathon despite it being such a physical pursuit it is also a lifestyle and something you have to be able to maintain for months and it's tough Our next clip is actually pulled from a full-length interview that I'm saving for another episode, but I thought this description of through hiking really nailed it. Okay, this is uh, Hey Girl from Sounds of the Trail, and I'm here with yours truly. And have you ever through hiked before? I've not. I had hiked little tiny portions of Virginia in Mm -hmm. college, but that was about it. The kind of mileage that we're doing out here is a lot different. I'd say the mileage and kind of the joint the the stress that I'm putting on my knees and feet is very different. Okay, so talk a little bit more about that, because I think every through hiker experiences <laughs> a range of pain and then pain they deal with every day. What's What's been your experience, and what's been the difference from the beginning to now, mile 7-11? Yeah, well, I have to say, so I was, a, I was a rower my freshman year of college, and I remember, and I rode in high school as well, and I remember thinking, there is nothing that I will ever do that is this hard on my body. <laughs> that's definitely not News true. flash. <laughs> yeah, this is much, much, much harder on my body. I'm actually, I'm developing muscles in my legs that I didn't have when I was a rower, which I didn't think was possible. I would say, so I finally, in the last probably 100 miles, I've gotten to a really good place where I can hike a lot faster. I might get a little kind of flicker of pain throughout the day but most of the time my body feels good but it was not until like about 100 miles ago before that every other day either my knee was causing me a lot of concern on downhills or the arches of my feet were hurting pretty badly Every hiker's experience with their body and with pain is so different, with some charmed hikers just 
floating down the trail, while other hikers struggle a lot. And sometimes those groups flip without warning. When I think back to my own PCT through hike, about 300 some odd miles in, my blisters had become just truly unbearable. I had been on the trail for weeks at that point, and I had not walked any of it. I had limped, I had humped, I had dragged, I had trudged. But that Everless-looking walk that I saw in other hikers had totally eluded me. I was, I was done. I was over it. I went to bed thinking that it was finally time to go home. Of course, the only way to get to stop hiking was to keep hiking until I got to another road. But by the time that I did, two days later, my feet were totally fine. So that was cool. (laughs) Anyhow, with everybody's body being different, then, it's no surprise that there is a diversity of hiking styles and approaches. A diversity of hikers moseying or stomping or hustling their way from one end of the trail to the other. Wanderer actually had this conversation with a thru-hiker named Push, so let's hear what they have to say about it. Hi, this is Wanderer for Sounds of the Trail, and I'm at Grace Lutheran Hiker Hostel in Waynesboro, Virginia, which is at mile 861 for you northbounders. So I'm talking here with a fellow thru-hiker. Her name is Push, and first of all, I'm going to hand her the microphone so she could introduce herself. Hi, it's great to be here uh, with Wanderer and great to participate in this little interview. I am 31 years old. I live in Atlanta, but I'm originally from Argentina and Canada. So what compelled you to do the Appalachian Trail? That is a question I get asked very often. And upon a lot of reflection while actually hiking on the trail, I believe that the main thing that led me to the trail was the trail itself. I had never heard about the Appalachian Trail until I moved to Georgia On my first hike out, somebody said, oh, you are hiking on the AT. Went home and Googled it and uh, spent the next couple years toying with the idea of through hiking it and now find myself on it. And I think the trail itself was attractive enough to put me on it. And what what made 2016 the year that you finally decided to do it? So 2015 was actually the year when I decided to through-hike the Appalachian Trail, but I um, decided to give myself an entire year to be ready and um, obsess about gear and collect funds and read endless hiking books. And mm-hmm. 2016 was just a year after that. Okay, cool. As far as doing it this year, what did you have to do to get the time off and how are you able to do it financially as well? So when I started playing with the idea of uh, doing a through hike and especially through hiking the Appalachian Trail, I immediately started saving money and started putting as much away as I could and living as frugally as possible. And then of course there was quitting the job, quitting the nice job. Mm -hmm. And surprisingly, my boss ended up offering me a leave of absence, but that meant that I would have to hike the Appalachian Trail on a schedule. And that defeated my entire desire to sort of be free to roam in the woods. So turn that down and reduce my life to four Rubbermaid bins and my backpack, which I now carry on my back. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I'm here. Yeah. Sounds similar to me. I have three Rubbermaid bins in my daughter's house. <laughs> oh, I need to throw one away then. <laughs> so what's the difference in hiking style that you perceive? And do you actually change your hiking style when you're with other hikers? That is a good question. One thing I have noticed is that if I agree to meet with other hikers at the end of the day or agree to a certain campsite, I am often focused on reaching that campsite and and I tend to engage less with the trail throughout mm-hmm, the day. Mm-hmm. Whereas on my own, I don't, I typically have a loose plan as to how many miles I want to hike or where I could stay, but I often find that I'm much more open to stealth camping or to stopping and having a long lunch or even just setting up tent in a place where I wasn't expecting to, whether that means hiking a shorter day or a longer day. So I have find that it's not that agreeing with other hikers doesn't allow me to make decisions. I just typically won't gravitate towards a natural change throughout the day. But it's much easier to do that on my own. Yeah, you just have that extra freedom when you right. don't have a commitment. What's your style? I want to say that it depends on the day. I naturally gravitate towards a more, I would almost say, military approach, sort of like my troll name. I will get up and push and go and achieve whatever it is that I had set for that day. 
But over the longer I am on, I'm out on the trail, I also realized that that is one of the things that I wanted to leave behind when I got on the trail. I uh, did not want to live the fast-paced life that I had back home. So I now go out of my way to take time in the morning brewing my coffee and eating my breakfast. And I take longer breaks. And also the weather allows for longer breaks. So I am starting, if I have to find the style, I guess I'm, I'm learning to listen to what the troll brings to me instead of doing what is natural to me, that is just to go, go, go and put on a mm-hmm. really long day and um, whatnot. And I find that at the end of the day, I still have high mile days almost every day anyways, but they don't have the same fast paced nature that I naturally would have. Yeah. Yeah. And you have done like a 34 miler. Like, <laughs> I hiked 33 right? miles into Damascus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm yet to do a 30. I don't know if my body could actually handle a 30 mile. I say yes. (laughs) (laughs) Have you tried adopting anyone else's style only to find out that it didn't work for you? Um, I, I don't know. I think I may have allowed myself over the past couple of weeks to be open to different group styles and dynamics only to find that maybe it wasn't necessarily what I wanted, but I have been more open to the experience, but it hasn't been of a specific hiker, maybe more of a group experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In what way? Maybe with the amount of time that is taken off the trail or um, I seem to not be too keen to changing plans throughout the day if it's going to involve less miles, doing less. So let's mm-hmm. say we agreed to convening at a campsite that's 15 miles away but then there's a change of plans and we convene 12 miles or 10 miles later but it's not for any particular reason like uh, an incredible waterfall or a stop and smell the roses moment it's just a last minute change of pace i have tend to find that whenever there are situations that just don't match the way i want to experience the trail i am pretty willing to move on Mm -hmm. to something else yeah hence your Trail name. Push. Push. (laughs) (laughs) I guess if I had to answer that question, have I tried adopting someone else's style and find out that it didn't work? I suppose my natural gait is like really slow, even in the real world when I'm walking through city streets and, you know, not hiking. I'm naturally a slow walker. And I noticed when I first started the, the hike here, I was hiking with several other hikers and if somebody was behind me, I would just push the pace because I didn't want to feel like a slowpoke. And then if somebody was ahead of me, especially when it was Monster or Oriole, and they were like so much faster to the point where if they were ahead of me, I'm almost running to keep up with them. And I found like when I tried to push to their speed, I would be a little bit out of control. And that's when I turned my ankle first time and I went down that took a couple of weeks to heal and then weeks later it started feeling good again and I go okay let me try to keep up with these younger people again and I did it again and so that's kind of been my bugaboo it's my my weak right ankle that's kind of like a recurring injury so I told myself I'm not going to try to match those guys speeds there's just no way so you passed me up several times just kind of like a nice saunter which is you know, it's it's a good speed. I mean, it'll get me there. It'll just get me there slower. And, you know, I might be able to finish this hike because I'm not, like, killing myself or breaking my ankle over it. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I just have to realize that I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And uh, I wish I could move as fast as they do, but I just can't. I'd like to thank you for taking the time. I know uh, it's kind of getting late here. But is there anything you want to say to any potential hikers or just to anybody, you know, just to wrap things up. There's a quote from Benton McKay that I really, really like that to me envisions my aspirations or expectations mm-hmm. for this trail. So before you do that, Benton McKay, he's the founder of the Appalachian Trail? He is one of the main visionaries of the Appalachian Trail. I guess his vision was the first spark that led to the eventual happening for the Appalachian Trail. Okay. So he said that he wanted the AT to be a place where Americans could walk to see, to see what they see. And that has been my greatest hope for myself on the Appalachian Trail, that I could walk and see and see what I see. Mm -hmm. 
So I hope BAT can be a place for others as well Yeah, to do that. That's awesome. Once again, this is Wander signing off for Sounds of the Trail, and I am with... Push. And we're both signing off. Happy trails, everybody. Bye. Despite all the talk that circulates on trail about hiking your own hike, I can think of a lot of good reasons to hike harder than maybe I'd naturally tend to. I can think of a lot of times that I pushed harder than I really wanted to in order to catch up with a friend, or to make it to town in time to get a hot meal, or to get out of some dangerous weather. But I can also remember days cut early to camp at that place with the best view, or to spend a long, hot afternoon laying in a beautiful river instead of hiking, or maybe just to wait up for a friend. There is so much that is beautiful and healing about a thru-hike somehow, despite the toll on your body. And I am not the only one who thinks so. Several years ago, a former Marine who was thru-hiking the Appalachian Trail recognized this same thing. He actually found his thru-hiking experience so impactful that he started his own nonprofit organization called Warrior Expeditions to help other combat veterans access the experience as well. And in a moment of serendipity, my trail correspondents this week sent me two separate interviews with veterans who were hiking with this program. So let's zoom over to the Pacific Crest Trail with our correspondent Morning Glory and hear from some vets. This is Morning Glory, recording from the night before summiting Mount Whitney. And I'm sitting here with two incredible gentlemen um, who are actually out here hiking for a purpose and hiking with a mission. So let me let them first introduce themselves, and then we'll hear a little bit about their story. My trail name is Bear Bones. I'm from Marshalltown, Iowa. I'm Slim Jim. I'm from Colleen, Texas. And they are out here hiking on the Pacific Crest Trail with the organization Warrior Expedition, which used to be known as Warrior Hike. And if you guys, one of you guys, just want to kind of summarize the organization and like what its mission is. Uh, sure. Warrior Hike was started about three years ago. Or was it four? <laughs> yeah, four years ago by Sean Gobin. And he was a Marine Corps officer. And he, he had some problems coming back from uh, Afghanistan and dealing with the things he went through in the war, like so many other veterans have, and he decided the best way to deal with these problems was to go hike the Appalachian Trail. After hiking the Appalachian Trail, completing a through hike on it, he decided to start this organization for military veterans that would sponsor veterans to come out and hike these long-distance trails. He's been really increasing the organization over the last few years. They, uh, they actually not only uh, sponsor veterans to hike trails now, they also sponsor veterans to do canoeing trips, which is good for some of the uh, veterans who've lost limbs and are amputees and also bicycle trips. Okay. I think we have a couple of guys doing the Trans-American Trail right now on bikes. Wow. And so you guys are both veterans. Right. I'm a Navy vet and Jimmy is Marine and Army. Okay. I spent six years in the Marine Corps and 19 in the Army. Okay. And how many years were you in? Uh, 12 years. 12 Desert years. Storm was my okay. conflict. Okay. So how are you guys feeling so far? You're almost to 800 miles. Tomorrow morning, you're going to summit Mount Whitney, you know, the highest point in the continental United States. Such an incredible accomplishment. How are you guys feeling so far with the Pacific Crest Trail? Uh, at this point in the trail, we're battle-hardened. You know, we can, we can do these big mountains and uh, long mileages. It's, it's been good. It's very relaxing. We, uh, we actually get support in towns on the weekend from the local VFW and uh, American Legions, which has been fantastic. Been treated like kings everywhere we've been. So, yeah, we're getting a level of support out here that probably none of the other hikers have, which is great. Does that kind of humble you guys, or how does that make you feel? It does. It is humbling because uh, these uh, VFW posts and American Legion posts that we visit along the trail are full of these uh, wonderful, mostly Vietnam veterans. We've also met Korean War veterans, you know, just some of the experiences these guys have. They take us aside, and usually after a few drinks, they tell us their stories of what they've gone through. And yeah. It's, it's pretty humbling because uh, <laughs> some of these guys have gone through a lot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they always are happy to see us, and the, they're proud to see the veterans are out here doing this trail and representing the military. 
and it's really good, you know, and, and it's good for us too because we always get a nice free meal there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, as a through hiker, meals are are a great gift. <laughs> Warm cooked meals <laughs> yes. in in a building with four walls. We've had some really great meals. In. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of think we're carrying the torch for a lot of these older guys that wish they could do this and uh, mm-hmm. for whatever reason they're not able to. So we, we kind of get that vibe that, uh, man, you're carrying the torch for us. Go out and do the whole thing and, yeah. and, and be proud. So yeah, it's humbling. Yeah, for sure. And you guys started as a group of five and there's still four of you now on the trail. Right. Our other two guys are a little ways ahead of us right now. And, okay. Uh, we had one member who had to drop off the trail because he's having some health issues. Okay. And do you <laughs> but, guys hope to make it to Canada together? Is that the plan? We'll all make it. Um, together, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, you know, uh, it's it's like one of our scheduled stops. We have a, a date to be there and uh, yeah. at the border and we'll be there. I mean, through hiking is really becoming, it's becoming something. It's becoming, you know, a dream. It's becoming a bucket list item, but it's also just becoming, you know, a way to get away from life and a way to get away from every day and to discover yourself and discover like what you want to do and where you want to be. So I think a lot of people are now seeking it. And that's why it's good for uh, combat. That's, you know, we can come out here and walk off the war. That's kind of our slogan. Just unload some of that baggage and unwind things and uh, get back to where we should be. Yeah. I think that's great. I think that's absolutely yeah. incredible. That's been really good for me because I've uh, actually been diagnosed with PTSD from the uh, Department of Veterans Affairs after I got out, and they tried to put me on antidepressant drugs, and I told them I didn't want to take them. And I think coming out here doing this hike has really sort of helped you know, get me out of my depression without using pharmaceuticals to do it. Well, and it sounds like you guys aren't alone. You know, you you talked about how you get to town and you're being so supported. You know, you showed me like there's someone picking you guys up. There's, you know, hotel arrangements already made. There's people reminding you of your packages and everything. So it seems like, you know, while a through hike to I, I think a lot of people is very scary and it's alone and it's, you know, I don't know if that's the best thing maybe for me to do if I'm struggling with something to go out in the wilderness alone. But you guys really don't seem alone. I mean, you have each other, obviously, and you have a whole entire support network helping you. Yeah, you're correct. And having the support network is kind of a motivation to keep going, too. I mean, you don't want to quit and let all these people down there support you. Yeah, and there's people watching you guys. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's really, really incredible what you guys are doing. So thank you so much for doing this. And thank thank you so much for the interview. Yeah, and best of luck to Canada. All right. We'll be there in September. It's interesting to me that through hiking manages to contain this crazy sort of mind-body duality. When hikers talk about the experience of through hiking on their bodies, they use words like brutal, tough, difficult. But then when talking about how the experience affects their minds, they might say calming, healing, beautiful. But although we have a tendency to think of our minds as somehow not part of our bodies, like a separate little person that lives up in our skulls and operates our body like it's some kind of robot, that's not really the case. Our mind is a squishy pink blob that's just along for the ride, same as our arms and our legs and our livers. And for these soldiers who've been in combat, the real physical effects of that carry over to that pink blob. The New York Times ran an article just last week about some of the new developments in studying PTSD. One of the researchers describes looking at a slide of brain tissue from a soldier who had died of a drug overdose several years after coming home, a soldier who'd been diagnosed with PTSD, and in his brain, there was this pattern of what looked like brown dust, a distinctive pattern of tiny scars all through the brain tissue. You know, there's just so much we still don't know about our brains and our bodies, but from the things that are coming out of the research these days, I wonder if Sean Gobin, the founder of Warrior Expeditions, intuitively understood something that science can't prove yet. For example, there was a recent study done by Stanford that showed that volunteers who spent time walking in natural environments actually had changes to the blood flow in their brains. And afterwards, those nature walkers reported that they had significant decreases in what was described as brooding, which it turns out is defined as morbid rumination. So so there's these real changes to the brain. I believe it. I'm certainly no combat veteran, but I don't think very many of us get through life without some sort of trauma. And I felt it, on the trail. The hard, 
grinding, physically demanding trail life felt rough like sandpaper, like something that slowly smoothed away the hard corners and edges in my mind. Like nature therapy or something. <laughs> Let's hear from our next combat vet, who's hiking the Appalachian Trail with Warrior Expeditions as well. Okay, this is Hey Girl, here with... Helton, H-E-L-T-O-N. And we are on the Appalachian Trail. We are through hiking, and we've just come through Front Royal, Virginia. Helton, tell me a little bit about yourself. Why are you out here on the AT? I'm out here hiking with veteran nonprofit organization called Warrior Expeditions. So we're all combat veterans, and we're out here seeking therapy through nature, so... So, how's your experience been so far? So far, we're almost halfway. We've done just under a thousand miles. And what's it been like hiking with other veterans and being out here for nature therapy? It's pretty awesome. I think the hiking community is an amazing community. And uh, as far as being out in nature and, and helping with some of the issues that some of us have coming out of the military, whether it be transitioning out or dealing with uh, various levels of PTSD, I think it's it, it definitely helps to be, you know, alone by yourself and within your own thoughts out in nature. It's definitely been helping me out so far. So had you been a hiker or a through hiker before this? This is my first through hike. I did some day hikes and stuff while while I was in the military, and uh, I, I grew up hiking through scouts and stuff like that. But as far as a long-distance backpacking trip, this is my first. So it's it's definitely been a challenge. You know, with being in the military, yeah, it's physically demanding, but I was towards the end of my military career, so I definitely had packed on the pounds. (laughs) (laughs) I started off the trail uh, a little round, but I I don't think I'm as round as I was. No, definitely not. (laughs) The other day, actually, we were sitting at a stop along the trail, and you picked up your phone. Can you talk a little bit more about that, and you showed us all a picture? Yeah, so... I, I hadn't really realized how round I really was when I started the trip. And a friend of ours, she was a through hiker last year with Warrior Expeditions. She had taken a picture of, of us at a stop at the top of one of the summits. I forget which one it was, but it was really early on, close to Springer. And it looked like I had a child's inner tube around, <laughs> around my waist. It, it was a really embarrassing photo. So every once in a while, if, <laughs> if I'm having a bad day on the trail... And, and I need a little bit of a boost or a little bit of motivation. I look at that and, or, or I'll show somebody being out here and, and the physical demands of, of hiking every day and burning all the calories that, that we burn. I mean, I, it's the best diet in the world, I, I think. Aside from just losing weight, do you feel like your relationship with your body has changed? Do you feel like you're more fit or you feel stronger? Or you feel different than you did on the trail when oh, you started? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, your cardio just goes through the roof. I was a competitive runner for a while uh, in, in college. And then and after when I joined the military, I, I ran a lot of 5Ks and stuff. And I feel my body is, if not back to that cardio threshold, if not better. I, I've, I've done a couple of slack pack days out here and I found myself like wanting to, wanting to push and actually going into almost a, a brisk run on some of the flatter areas. So yeah, you, you definitely... You learn when your body can push it, and you also learn when, you know, when you hit that crash threshold. I think everybody has that certain mileage that whatever the terrain is, you just have that certain mileage where your body is just like, okay, buddy, you're done. I think mine is is somewhere around 18 miles. I've done some bigger days, but that's my comfort zone. I, 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 like, I like to be around 16 to 18. Definitely not a bigger mileage guy, but uh, I'm able to know what the triggers are with my body, especially on on those longer days. An interesting thing about that is regardless of how many miles you're doing, like you said, you kind of learn to listen to your body. You know, being out here, yeah, it, it people say it's it's not about the miles, it's about the smiles. And, and I truly agree that, especially with the program that I'm going through. I mean, we're not out here to push ourselves. We're, we're supposed to be out here, you know, getting therapy through nature and, and being one with ourselves and getting into our head. I think there's days where you're like, man, I really wonder if I can do a marathon day or I really wonder if I can do back-to-back 20s or something crazy like that. But I think it's part being out here and enjoying nature. And I think it's it's part being out here and just we're, we're gluttons for punishment. Almost. Yeah. yeah. So you make a good point. Everybody kind of hikes their own hike and 
some people want to push their bodies and some people just want to like make sure they feel steady all day. Oh yeah, definitely. So what about in terms of other things where you find you have a relationship with your body? Something you talked about that I thought was interesting was just being around people. For you, you're in this interesting group where you're out here with about half a dozen other veterans hiking. Do you feel like that gives you a boost? Definitely. I mean, we have a, a loose schedule that we have to stick to, so we're, we're kind of constrained by that. I, I prefer to hike on, on my own, but I like to be in camp with other veterans from my group. And, and like I said, I'm a, I'm a big, I love socializing with, with everybody in the hiker community. So if I read in a, a log or something like that, that there's somebody I haven't seen maybe in a week or two, Maybe I'll put in a, a little bit more of an effort to get to to try to catch up with a, a certain group, and it's always awesome to to end up running into people that you haven't seen in a while because you're, we're talking about physical changes and stuff like that. People notice it, you know. People are like, "Oh man, oh your beard's getting longer. You're, you're looking fitter, or you know, or you you look like shit right now. What <laughs> yeah. did you do? You know." So I think we pay closer attention to that too. I think we really truly invest in in each other out here I, I think you get to know people very quickly and you also you know lose lose track with them very quickly out here but i think the the bonds that we have because we're all going through the same things is awesome okay so let's talk a little bit more about your nature therapy and your the vibe you've been feeling since mm-hmm. you've been out here yeah so we just came out of one of the national parks that the at goes through which is shenandoah national park mm-hmm. and after being in there versus the, the first thousand miles, does anything stick out to you as been your favorite moment in nature thus far or something that was like a really memorable or transformative experience you've had? You know, like I said, I, I hike alone a lot, so I'm inside my head a lot and I process a lot of stuff out. And one of the big things that I'm trying to figure out is what I'm going to do after the trail. You know, I like I had mentioned, I'm recently out of the Air Force and and I really didn't have an opportunity to make any plans other than possibly school after this hike. I'm not really sure if that's what I want to do or, or not really sure what I want to go to school for. Going back to like as far as my favorite spot, I would say we were going into Hot Springs. And it's kind of around that, that part of the trail where you're like, ah, uh, injuries are starting to kick up and... You know, you're, I forget the exact mileage, but you know, the mileage is, is stacking up and you're like, I don't, I don't know if, I, I think you, you're transitioning out of that honeymoon phase of being on the trail and, and things are starting to get grueling. <laughs> so we, we get support from different, different people off the trail. And I was walking up the trail and I started seeing American flags on either side of the trail. Oh, wow. And I'm like, this is, this is awesome. And, and it was probably about a tenth of a mile of American flags on either side of the trail. And, and then the trail opened up into a, like a crossroad. And there was a couple there that had trucks set up and they were, they were doing burgers. And they were like, hey, we're, you know, we're so-and-so. They were like, we're, we're your support in town and drop your packs, grab a burger, and we're slack packing you into hot springs. So like, not only did I like get like this patriotic, like, like feeling that like rose over me because I was seeing flags like we got this kick-ass like trail magic and we got slack packed and and then we ended up staying at a an awesome couples resort that they had for I think shoot over like 15 years so that was probably one of the moments that sticks out and then I mean there's so many it could be silly like little things at camp like running into somebody that I hadn't seen for a while or something like that and then as far as like emotionally or what have I benefited from being uh, out, out in nature therapeutically I feel like I'm calmer things that, that might have like upset me or things that did upset me I've, I was able to process a lot of that things that I think I, I tucked away for years and years from my deployments and stuff like that I've been able to bring them to the surface and, and process a lot of that stuff out I had a really uh rough deployment in 2009 and uh my um, trail name is actually comes from the lieutenant that I lost in 2009. I took his last name as homage to him. And that was a really uh, tough thing to accept. You know, hey, I, I lost a great leader and, and, and somebody that I respected so much that I had learned so much from. And, 
feel like after my deployment ended, you know, you, you mourn it, but you never fully process it out. And I feel like I've, I've, I've begun to bring some of those things to the surface and been able to process some of those feelings out out here. So it's been, it's been really cool. And, and I've been able to, to share that with some of the guys that I deployed with in 2009. I've been able to reach out to them and say, hey, you know, this is what I've learned from being out here. It's been pretty awesome. That's pretty amazing to hear. I feel like one of the things that I notice as another through hiker, both about myself and fellow through hikers, is whether you're a veteran or somebody else, it seems like a lot of people are just calmer out here than when we started, yeah. which is really cool to see. And, it, you know, it could be even it seemed as though at the beginning people's minds were racing about how many miles they were going to do. Did they have the right gear? Were they prepared? Like, am I going to n- have enough food for the day? Yeah. And now it just kind of seems like whether it's those daily chores or the bigger things that people deal with from life off the trail, yeah. you do just see more of a zenful feeling. Oh, yeah. Which is really, really cool to see. And so to hear your experience, one thing that strikes me is how amazing is that? And we're only halfway. Yeah. You know, oh, like. It's, it's crazy. I'm. Excited to find out what else I'm going to discover about myself or, or even discover about, you know, others. I mean, that it's, it's really cool. And our, our group that we're, that, that we have out here, you know, we're start, I'm seeing that we're starting to open up more to each other, which is really cool because sometimes the best therapy is, is talking to another veteran and uh, it's, it's really cool. <laughs> Thankfully, we're not sick of each other yet. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, yeah. Okay, what about in terms of other moments in nature being out here? Have you had a favorite tree, flower, animal moment? Oh, yeah. No, I got to remember the type of flower it was. So we were hiking along, and and uh, see, I, I see this, this older gentleman. He's, like, got this big old camera and, like, this black backdrop and a sunshade and everything. And he's like really like focused on taking a picture of this flower, and it was a yellow lady slipper. And I was like, oh, yeah. "So what is so special <laughs> about this flower?" Like I'd I'd heard of, of a lady slipper before, but you know he was like, "Oh, in this area, this flower is close to being endangered because there's something in the soil. There's like a a bacteria that has to exist in the soil or something like that." And and I was like. Like, I was just kind of taken away. It was, like, in the middle of, like, the trail. It was it was a good, like, two miles mm-hmm. out in the trail. And this guy, like, lugged all this equipment out just to take a picture of this flower. So I, I, I got all, like, fancy and, like, snapped a picture of it and put it up on on uh on social media and like 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 i knew what the heck i was doing like <laughs> go check it out endangered flower and every like the response from it was hilarious because i i got like you know oh cool i didn't know you knew about flowers or anything like that <laughs> yeah i've become got, an expert <laughs> yeah i've become an expert while i was on it and then you got my buddies from back home they're like oh yeah 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 sure expert in flowers <laughs> but yeah it was pretty cool i i actually learned something about you know, a particular flower out here, which is pretty cool. That's a, that's a really cool <laughs> anecdote. Cause I think one benefit we have these days to, even though we don't always have connectivity or services, you have those individual moments or you, you see a species or you see an animal or a tree or a flower. And then you can share that with people off the trail. And even if it's for a joke, like you might even be able to share a piece of knowledge yeah. and it, it can be something that somebody, it's like a ripple. And all of a sudden, like, one little moment you had for 30 seconds in your day, it's something that you remember, but even folks at home remember. Oh, yeah. Has through hiking the AT made you think more about conserving natural resources or wild places in the United States or or anywhere? Honest? I kind of really didn't pay attention to that. I mean, I, I really i have seen signs and stuff like that about, you know, certain, I guess, bugs that infest some of the trees out here or, like didn't know that there was like controlled burns out in the woods i mean i didn't even know stuff like that because kind of grew up in the city so i mean short of things i learned in scouts and stuff like that i always you know pack out what i bring in and i try not to like go too far off trail and and you know mess anything up that shouldn't already be messed up yeah i i think i've i've just from being out here i've learned a little bit more you know i I guess i was kind of a little bit ignorant I mean, I'm not going to turn into like this, like, you know, 
save the trees type of guy, but uh, I, I definitely think I've learned, uh, you know, from others, especially from others, uh, about, you know, some of preserving nature and, and, and how some things are, are, are dying off, like that flower, for example. Okay, so last question is, for people that are thinking about doing a through hike, mm-hmm. what would you say to them? You're crazy? No, I would say definitely um, plan it well. If you can't plan it well, know that there's going to be wrenches thrown in, and, and you're never going to hike the perfect hike. There's always going to be something that's going to come up. But I would definitely say you're not. <laughs> there's no training for this. There, there isn't. I mean, I've seen the, the best people that like people in the best shapes of their lives, and I've also seen the most out of shape person like blow by me on the trail. So there, there is no, I think, preparation other than getting out here and getting on the trail but i would definitely say take it slow at the beginning and like we were talking about earlier you know learn to know your body and and know what hurts and know when to back off and and don't get overwhelmed by the fact that people are doing big miles and you're not just do what your body allows you to do and definitely if if you can't do a through hike because it's i mean Schedule-wise, it's demanding. You know, not a lot of people have six months to take off. But if you can't do a thru-hike, go out there and, and do a couple-day backpacking trip and, and experience something like that. Because I think even a couple days out in nature, it can, you know, definitely impact your life, you know. <laughs> and you can learn a lot about yourself, so. So thru-hiking or day-hiking, it'll ruin your life for the better. It will, yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so from the Appalachian Trail, this is Hey Girl signing off with... Helton. Awesome. Gonna lay down my sword and shield Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Gonna lay down my sword and shield Down by the riverside Study war no more I ain't gonna study war no more Ain't gonna study war no more Ain't gonna study one no more. I ain't gonna study one no more. Ain't gonna study one no more. Ain't gonna study one no more. So great to hear from all the vets. I would like to say to Helton, if he's listening, it's totally okay to be a tree hugger. As I see it, that's a pretty patriotic thing to be. Our beautiful wild places are one of the best natural resources that we've got. But to pivot back to our bodies, nature therapy is great and all, but what if you just break yourself in the process? What if you just can't do this hike? It sort of seemed like Wanderer had been struggling with this a little bit, if I read between the lines. But then he sent me this update. Hello, Wanderer here, and I'm checking in because I'm having serious concerns about my through hike of the Appalachian Trail. Earlier today, I was feeling great, but as I was descending a very steep, rocky section in Pennsylvania, I hyperextended my already bad left knee. At the time I hyperextended, I didn't really think much of it because I've done that several times on this hike and have been able to walk it off. But... This time, after walking about three miles on it, I developed a very serious, sharp pain behind my patella. I'm guessing it would be my ACL, to the point where I just couldn't continue walking without limping. So, I found myself between shelters and between roads, so I just found a nice flat spot set up camp. I ate dinner, rested in my tent, actually fell asleep. Now it's nearing midnight and my knee still hurts. I checked the range of motion. If I tried to straighten it completely, I feel a sharp pain. If I tried to bend it past somewhere around 70 degrees, it really hurts excruciatingly. So I don't think that this is 
an injury that I could just walk through. So I'm trying to stay optimistic. I know this is an injury that just needs rest at this point. I was thinking that I would fly to San Francisco and just rest for a whole month. And to me, getting back on the trail on July 10th and uh, hiking to Mount Katahdin by October seems doable. And when people stop and talk to me and ask if I'm going to hike all the way to Maine, my response is always, well, that's the plan, because I never want to be presumptuous and uh, say that it's a piece of cake. 2,189 miles is a long way to walk, and a lot of things can happen. And today I sprained my knee, and I need to rest my knee. But I'm trying to stay positive. Hope by resting it, I'll be able to hit the trail by July 10th and uh, finish a through hike in 2016. If that doesn't happen, or if I start on June 10th and then re-injure it or something else happens, I'll have to quit the trail. It won't be a through hike but I'll become a section hiker and continue it wherever I leave off in 2017. So that's my outlook at the moment. I'll get back to you all when I know a little bit more. But this is Wanderer, signing off. Oh geez, that sucks. I mean, taking some time to evaluate things and letting his body rest is for sure the responsible right thing to do. But when he says he's trying to stay positive in, like, the most depressed tone of voice ever, you just cannot take your body for granted. It can be hard to do the responsible thing on trail sometimes and rest when you really need it, because your baseline sense of bodily well-being on the trail just might be one of significant aches and pains. Rumble Junk gets into that with another AT hiker in our next interview. Let's see how they describe it. So this is Rumble Junk, and I'm talking to Sage from... Northwestern Jersey. Good hiking up in <laughs> Northwest New Jersey. Yeah, the, I hear that's where all the bear attacks are. Uh, well, is that right? Uh, yeah, I guess Have you ever so. been attacked by a bear? I have not. I've had okay. a ton of encounters with them, and they are lumbering, majestic creatures. <laughs> but I've never... I've, I've even approached... Not approached, but come up against mom and cubs and... As long as you don't find yourself in a real pickle, and they're far enough away, just start making a ton of noise. They don't want anything to do with you. You just don't interact on any level but to look at nature, and yeah. that's pretty much pretty much it, you know? Yeah. All right, so Sage. Yo. I want to talk to you about uh, some pretty intimate things here. All right, I'm ready. We're going to dive right into this. <laughs> How do you feel about your body? Let's talk about your body, Sage. What do you... What would you say when you think back to when you first started hiking? Like, let's say 49 hours before you started. 49 hours before I started, yeah. I, was, I was feeling really good. I was about, yeah. yeah, I was about so excited that I was about to evaporate <laughs> without a doubt, literally into, into human mist from excitement. So, when you got on the trail, what was like the first thing you noticed that changed like, about your body? Well, physically, you know, or mentally, just how you felt about it? I guess. I've backpacked before, so I know uh, for 14 days with scouts, actually, in Philmont, New Mexico. So I, you know, the concept of walking for days and, and, and kind of setting the mind mentally to keep going, every step is easier, like, just keep keep walking, don't stop walking no matter what you do, and then, and then achieving that, and knowing that you can achieve that, I feel is half the battle. So I have a lot of respect for people that come out here with no backpacking experience, and just find it in themselves to keep walking because it's something that took me years to develop. Would you say that you feel better now or feel felt better then physically? Like, I mean, I definitely... I wobble, I wobble around like a like a battered penguin at this point. <laughs> like, like it's, it hurts to just like do anything like normal, like walking downstairs or like getting milk out of the fridge. Yeah, like I'm sitting <laughs> down right now and when I get up, it's going to be like I'm 90 years yeah, old. Yeah, you, know? you feel like a 90-year-old. My, I, If I were in a race with my 80-year-old grandmother, God bless her, she would win, <laughs> she would win. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right now. You know, it does take a, a huge toll on the body. It hurts you because you have to 
push. And, and one of the most profound things about the trip is learning that relationship with your body of how to push without really hurting yourself and, and really pushing, or for me at least, pushing my limitations yeah. and knowing how far I can really go. What do you think some of those limitations have been? Like, what's so? Well, uh, what's been your longest day? So, so far, twenty twenty six point three was my furthest day. Yeah, twenty six point three. Twenty six. How did your body miles. feel after that? It was serious. It was into Damascus. It okay. Was, uh, it was a. It was a push. You You're know? trying to get there for trail days, or no, no. Just I just. There. I was like, I hear Damascus is a great trail town. Let's check it out. It was. I got in at nine at night. It was completely dead. I ended up oh, walking wow. to the food city, like three miles around town after walking all that way it was just ridiculous <laughs> you know yeah that must have been exhausting yeah but you yeah. find this this all of a sudden every once in a while you have these moments of grace where you just push and yeah. you feel good you know it just hits you so you go and it hurts you know you you come into you come into the understanding that yeah you're going to be in pain the whole way sure. period yeah and love it i did two 22 mile days in the last two days and i felt like i was just walking on bloody stumps yeah <laughs> do you ever feel like yeah do you ever feel like you're just like your your legs and your feet just disappear into like a mess of like i don't know about, about bloody stumps mangled, yeah. like, <laughs> mangled like some sort of like quentin tarantino movie oh <laughs> man serious like you're just like spray. a mess of crap <laughs> yeah no it was just like it was hard to get through that last like mile or two Especially when you know you're almost there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the last mile is always the longest. I mean, that's... Yeah, it is. It is. What's the worst thing that's happened to your body? Like, have you, like, messed up your knees, your ankles? Is Uh, your mind ripping apart? No. (laughs) Is everything good? I feel like the most strength about this comes from the mind. Yeah. And I've been lucky that I'm just a wimp. And I've been taking it. A whim. I've, been taking it <laughs> I've been taking it easy on myself because I know, you know, I know yeah. not to push past a certain level because it's just gonna, it's just gonna slow me down. It's like hitting that twenty-six day mile day was great. I took five zeros in Damascus. Wow. Well, for yeah. some other circumstances too, but not all. Totally was it a girl? The body. No, it was not a girl. Okay. It was not. <laughs> Faith, if if this does end up somewhere, <laughs> just so you know, it was not a girl. So. As far as your body goes, mm-hmm. what's been, let's, let's talk about just some weird shit. What's been the most embarrassing thing? Like I, I, you, you told us briefly earlier about your Taco Bell disaster. Well, yeah. I that mean, tears up your intestines a little bit. I guess, I guess really as far as the body stuff goes, there's yeah. not too much super gross, like nasty, embarrassing stuff. You, you know, never really? like shit on your boots or anything? No, no, okay, no, 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 no. Like I said, I've hiked and. Those are expensive. You know, hey, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've dug a lot of cat holes, so I know how to, I know how to do that. I got the angle down, you Good. know, I'm all, I'm all set there. That's a tricky thing. Like the it first is. time you do it, it like is. you gotta like make sure you don't poop on your own self. Yeah. You know? It's, yeah. You know, yeah. It's a thing. Like it's a thing. It is a real thing. It should not be undermined. It should not. <laughs> or overmined. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> once you, once you mess up that first time, you get it right every single time after that. For oh, sure. man. Sorry, so so yeah. gross body gross body stuff. I I yeah. guess like, you know the belt the belt straps from packs. I mean I carry a forty pound pack, which is okay. You know, wow, it's pretty heavy it's compared heavy. to what, what people are carrying out here. But I just I don't know. I'm old fashioned in certain ways, and I like to have certain things with me, and that's just the way it is. You carry an uh, axe. I do carry and a frying a cast iron <laughs> frying, frying pan. pan. <laughs> just kidding. I don't carry either one of those things. <laughs> but I guess you around the hips, you get some really nasty marks and. They're like they're almost like pimples, but they're not. They're just these terrible like sores from from the pack rubbing Shit. all the time. So that's pretty terrible. I hope it's not cancer. No, it's not. It's all not. Right, I'm good. pretty sure it's not. Yeah. I, I'm not getting any vibes about about that. Yeah, you don't want that waste cancer. God almighty. So have you been worried about anything breaking down? Like, um, have you ever been concerned about your knees, your ankles, or you know your back or anything? Like, I mean, not really. I, I I'm. It's always been okay. I've, yeah, but I mean, you know, just to give background, I mean, I have always been relatively gentle with the body. I jumped around a lot growing up, but I never did any really detrimental sports like football or like pitching, like yeah. baseball, like, you know, wrecks your arms or you know, I've, I've been really gentle on the body. So I guess I feel, I feel pretty good. So tomorrow I'll get back on the trail and totally bust my knee or something like that. <laughs> that wait, wait, we should knock on wood or something. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that's good. I mean, uh, I feel kind of the same way. I had some knee pain early on, so I got these knee braces, 
and I've been kind of using them as like, I don't know, almost like a training wheels or like a brace kind of thing. Like I just, I won't, I won't walk anywhere without them. It's good. Yeah. And like, I think that I could hike without them, but like I've already got them and they're more weight to carry on your back than yeah. to just wear them on your knees. Right. And yeah, I don't have any knee pain. And I've seen so many people that have left the trail because of like ankles and knees and they get, you know, foot injuries. And mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy how so, so many times you can just get so seriously injured. There's so much potential for injury, like dozens of times every day you hike. Oh, yeah. And we avoid it somehow. So yeah. far. So far. Yeah. Again, well, I've taken some spills. Yeah, I almost broke my tailbone. Yep. Getting water. Just getting water. <laughs> when you <laughs> like land that. hard on a knee or on your palm or, yeah. or you're, you just bar- barely miss your poles on the way down or they fall with you, you know, you're so grateful that it didn't, like, take the wind out of you or catch you in the jaw or you land your knee right on a sharp rock or something like that. That'll take you right off the trail. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, I mean, and I've seen so many people, so many friends, you know, get taken off the trail because of that. And... I don't know if I'm doing something ingenious or if I'm just lucky. Like, you know, cause like, you know, maybe it's, it's a combination. Of both. Maybe it's a combination of both, <laughs> but like, I feel very fortunate to have gone, what, what's 800 and something miles? 860 miles. miles yeah. Yeah. We're in Waynesboro. 861.3. Yeah. Wow. Getting to be tech. exact. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, to get this far and to not be injured. Yeah. It might be hard to go to the fridge and get milk. <laughs> it's like, it's actually easier for me to hike 15 miles than it is to to go to the fridge and get milk. (laughs) I waddle to the fridge and downstairs taking a poop is really hard. Like just walking anywhere without out of bed the first time in the day. That's so tough. Just getting out of bed. I picked top bunk here at this hostel. So it was like a total mistake. mistake. It's It's like, Oh, I got to jump down. Oh Oh, guys. All right. Piece of advice. Future through hikers. Never pick the top bunk. Yeah. It's the worst. Don't do it. Never do it. Be able to roll out of bed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You want to be on the bottom bunk. It's a smart wisdom move for sure. But yeah, like it's so weird to like be able to be so successful and like be able to hike, you know, with all your gear on. Like I have 35 pounds of gear on my back. Yeah. I have my knee braces on, my, my hiking boots, all this stuff. But then just like walking downstairs is like. I feel like a 90 year old man. <laughs> it's so, I, I hope that's not how my, the rest of my life goes. Right. <laughs> right. Once this, once this trail is over, so you're like, like, Oh, am I still going to be able to check my mail? <laughs> I hope so. All right. Well, thanks Sage for, uh, chatting with us about your body and uh, the trail. <laughs> you're welcome. And we'll see you in the future. Have fun, everybody. Bye. Later. So I love that Rumble Junk describes himself as lumbering around like a battered penguin. <laughs> I wonder what's so intoxicating about this strange combination of through hiking, where you simultaneously feel like you've aged five decades overnight, but also like you could walk forever. And to be so tired of being tired of having to get up and stay on that long, slow race day after day but to also feel this deep undercurrent of calmness, this well of wilderness and green deep within yourself. To wrap up this podcast, let's hear from Wanderer one more time. Hi, this is Wanderer on the Appalachian Trail. Today I'm in Hamburg, Pennsylvania, where the last couple of nights I stayed at a hotel resting my left knee. It was six days ago, When I was feeling really good and pushing the pace, I was coming down a very steep and rocky descent. I stepped wrong and I hyperextended my left knee. So the next day I uh, put a knee brace on and I hobbled to the next road crossing. But fortunately I had run into a very nice through hiker who gave me a ride into Lickdale where I was able to get a room for the night prop up my knee, take some Arnica, take some ibuprofen, and uh, give it a good night's rest there. I really would have liked to have gotten it checked out by a doctor or a physical therapist, but at this time I don't have uh, health insurance. 
So I would have had to pay out of pocket and I didn't feel like spending a lot of money just to have a doctor tell me that uh, I just need to rest it. So the more time I gave my knee, the better it felt and I was able to gain a little bit more range of motion. Uh, the acute pains um, dissipated. And I figured this stretch of Pennsylvania has pretty good cell service. I had uh, contacted a shuttle service who could um, pick me up and drop me off anywhere in Pennsylvania. So I thought that I might as well see if I could walk this off and if there was any issues, I could get off the trail at any point. Fortunately, I was able to get back on the trail and very cautiously walk to the next shelter the next day. Uh, I slowed down the pace quite a bit, was very careful of where I put my foot, making sure that I stepped on level ground and uh, not on uneven rock. And my knee held up. And so I continued on the next couple of days with no issues. But uh, I was always concerned because I am still very stiff-legged and my walking gait has been altered. So from past experience, I know that uh, if I did that for a long period of time, I might develop an injury somewhere else. So when I got to Port Clinton, I got a ride into Hamburg and uh, rested my knee a little bit more. And hopefully I'll be able to walk without really limping the next couple of days and we can see how it goes. So my outlook is much more positive at this point. I think uh, every day I give it, my knee is getting better. So I'm just going to take it really easy, walk very slowly and cautiously, try not to limp too much, and get back on the trail today and make some positive progress toward Mount Katahdin. This is Wanderer signing off from the Appalachian Trail. And he's back on trail. So that wraps up both All Our Body Talk and the mini saga of Wanderer. Thanks for everyone who comments on our Facebook page or on iTunes or over the website, which is www.soundsofthetrail.com. We really appreciate all the support and the comments and the feedback from everybody. Until next week, this is Sounds of the Trail. I'm going to put on my long white robe down by the riverside, down by the riverside. Down by the riverside, I'm gonna put on my long white robe Down by the riverside and study war no more I ain't gonna study war no more Ain't gonna study war no more Ain't gonna study war no more I ain't gonna study war no more Ain't gonna study war no more Ain't gonna study war no more I'm gonna walk with the Prince of Peace Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Down by the riverside I'm gonna walk with the Prince of Peace Down by the riverside And study war no more I ain't gonna study war no more Ain't gonna study war no more Ain't gonna study one no more. I ain't gonna study one no more. Ain't gonna study one no more. Ain't gonna study one no more.